Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Precious D. And I am your other host, Honeybee. Today, we're going to switch from movies to television, briefly. We're going to be talking about the show Ultra Q. Oh, wow. <laughs> Honeybee, what did you think of Ultra Q? Well, um, I, you know... Going from a movie to a TV show, something that's only 25 or so minutes, mm -hmm. you know, they, it's like a lot happening very quickly. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. It was like, you know, it's kind of like when you don't know what book to read next. So you just check out a book of short stories. <laughs> you know, I kind of okay. feel like that's what we're doing here. We're just going into some short stories with uh, Ultra Q, you know? Okay. Uh, how many did you get through? Two. Through, yeah. Eventually, I'll watch all of them. I just got, ladies and gentlemen, I got a Blu-ray steel book edition of the complete series in the mail. But you can watch all these for free on Tubi and Pluto and Shout Factory. My Blu-ray came with a digital code. Oh. But I already own all these movies digitally. Not movies. TV shows. <laughs> of course you do. Yes. So the thing is, Mill Creek had this service for their own digital content called uh, Movie Spree, mm -hmm. and now they have sort of ended it. You used to be able to buy stuff on there directly, but also if you had a digital code, you would redeem it there. And this was on sale like just dirt cheap, uh, you know, a few years ago. And then they decided we're basically ending this uh, service <laughs> if you already own something It'll still be there, but the apps oh, are going to cool. stop working. If you, yeah, <laughs> you can't buy any new stuff, but you can still go to the website. Your phone app and your Roku app aren't going to work anymore, but the website will still work. And supposedly you can still redeem codes. So if you buy an old DVD or Blu ray that's still got a code in it, you can still go redeem it. Oh, yeah. Since I already have this, I'm willing to give this code to the first listener that sends us an email asking for it oh send it to monster movie fun time go at gmail.com put the word code in the uh subject line now i'm making no guarantee that this code <laughs> will actually still work or that it will work in whatever country you're located in but if you're the first one if your email has got the first uh timestamp on it i will give you this code for the complete series of ultra q this is our first giveaway yes it is we'll see how it goes <gasps> hell yeah ultra q is from 1966 it ran from january 2nd to july 3rd then the last episode was um delayed they showed the the ultraman preview special instead which we will get into in the next episode I was wondering why they had the same um, opening sequence. Well, it's sort of a spinoff, sort of a continuation. Okay. Before we get too deep into that, though, I did want to do some kaiju news. Ooh. Not news. Not news exactly. Well, there's. A, did we already talk about the freaking Call of Duty thing? <laughs> no. No, we haven't. Call of Duty is putting out a downloadable content thing for project monarch basically you go to like skull island and you're running around shooting up other teams and whatever and trying not to get stomped on by kong or breathed on by godzilla it's a godzilla versus kong so i when i first saw it i was excited and then i realized oh wait I, first i gotta buy call of duty then i have to buy this thing and also they kept calling it an event and to me that implied it's a limited time and then some of the descriptions I've been seeing of it sounds like, you know, you're going to be playing online simultaneously with other groups. So there might you need to have a team of players and other people are going to be in there trying to shoot you while you're trying to wow. 
do your objectives. I don't know. I've hardly played any Call of Duty. I don't know how this crap works. I don't know if there's a solo mode or an offline mode. But anyway, Call of Duty's doing a Project Monarch Kong versus Godzilla thing. Uh, so go look that up if you haven't. <laughs> the other thing I was, was going to mention is a few weeks ago it was Free Comic Book Day. By the time this episode airs, it will have been a few weeks ago. And one of the free comic books they were giving out was something called Kaiju Number no. 8. And I got that. I got it. I got that. I thought it was a new thing, but it's been out for a while already. It's a manga and it's on volume four already. So the free comic book day was really just a preview of that and another comic by the same company. And the preview itself wasn't that great because it kind of started in the middle. It kind of started in issue two. But it was enough that it made me go look on Comixology and get the sample. And the sample was, the digital sample I got wasn't good enough that I end up buying it. So I'm partway through volume two right now. Hell yeah. So it's it focuses mainly on a group of people whose job it is to fight kaiju. That's so cool. That There's cool. a guy who's on the kaiju cleanup team. <laughs> Yeah, I did read the I read through the summary of it and I was like, "Ooh, this sounds so cool." And uh he wants to uh he he wants to actually join the defense force and fight the kaiju, but he starts off just working. He's the people he's part of the people that have to deal with the gigantic dead bodies laying in the middle of the city when a kaiju has been killed. I just wondered, I'm like, "Do they cook them cuz it's a lot of meat?" I, I remember yeah. wondering that, like, in the beginning, like, during, like, um, like maybe Tarantula, you know, and there's just, like, the yeah. legs just left over, just, like, sizzling in the street. They're already yeah. crispy and cooked. <laughs> I actually, um, I saw a reference yesterday to Godzilla. I, oh, I was watching Chicken Little. There is a... <laughs> A Godzilla moment when Fish climbs up this tower and like these paper airplanes are flying around him and he like has this moment and then he falls and Pig like lifts him up and says, "'Twas beauty that killed the beast." And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, I never understood that until now. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have not seen Chicken Little. Oh, you have to just for that alone. And it's really good. Also, um, you need to watch at least just the opening sequence to Jackass for everyone. I, <laughs> I don't know if you guys. I, I'm sure there are many of you who are like, "Fuck Jackass, that's so stupid." But they are, you know. I grew up in that kind of time. Those <laughs> those dudes were, you know, we were just a bunch of grungy junior high dudes watching those dudes. Were they your Mister Rogers? Was was Jackass your Captain Kangaroo? <laughs> That explains so much um yeah i mean i you know it, i love those guys so much and then now it's like 20 years later they're all you know in their 40s and 50s and but the opening sequence um there is a godzilla gamera kind of thing kind of reference okay. going on there all right. okay. it's fantastic uh rated r very rated r hide your kids but um <laughs> hysterical so please uh watch it you watch it let me know when you do because okay. i'll see if i can do it i'll see if i can do it i watched tonight. it twice in theaters and and now i watched it again like two days ago <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, yeah. uh, all right so anyway back to ultra q <laughs> let's start with eg tsubaraya he oh. was he's sometimes referred to as the god of Tokosatsu, which is Japanese for special effects. They tend to refer to movies and TV shows as tokosatsu movies or TV shows rather than it's fantasy or science fiction. They don't seem as concerned about the genre. Just if it uses special effects, it's all in the same category. <laughs> he was one of the three co-creators of Godzilla, <clears throat> uh, along with Ishiro Honda, the director, and... Tomo, Tomoyuni Tanaka, the producer. The three of them were known as the Golden Trio. And hey. he continued to work for Toho until he couldn't do it anymore, until he retired mm. or died. I'm not sure which. But at some point along the way, he decided he wanted to start his own production company, Tsuburaya Productions, to make TV oh, shows. Yeah. And oh, this was oh. the first one, Ultra 
Ultra Q was the first one. And because he had these close ties with Toho, and apparently Toho was like a financial backer of his production company and on the board of directors, because of all that, he was allowed to borrow whatever he needed from the Toho studio, from the um, the props, the costumes, the sets, whatever Fuck he needed. Yeah. So uh, some of these monsters are recycled. Nice. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So it was from January 2nd to July 3rd, 27 mm-hmm. episodes. And then the last episode was finally shown in, on December 14th of 67. Because it got uh, put off so they could show the special preview of Ultraman. And we will talk about that next week because it, it's its own special brand of strangeness. <laughs> uh, I don't just I don't mean Ultraman in general, which it is, but I mean the preview special. Ultra Q was it's in black and white. It was a great big hit, huge ratings, and it is the beginning of what is known as the Ultra series which is mostly Ultraman stuff. But there was also, in 1990, Ultra Q the movie, Legend of the Stars. 2003 to 2004, there was the Ultra Q Club, a radio drama featuring the original actors. Oh, cool. Also in 2004, something called Ultra Q Dark Fantasy. And as recently as 2013, Neo Ultra Q. Wow. This show is very, it reminds me of The Outer Limits or Kolchak, The Night Stalker or Twilight Zone and The X-Files. Mm-hmm. I know The X-Files. I do know Twilight Zone, but I didn't ever watch. I maybe like watched a few things here and there in passing or something, but I guess the thing I'd be most familiar with is like X-Files. Well, what particularly reminds me of Twilight Zone is the narrator and his whole tone. <laughs> <laughs> so this, is, this show is about, well, it's a Monster of the Week show. Yes! I love that, I just say. <laughs> it's about a reporter, Yuriko Edogawa, played by Hiroko Sakurai, and these two pilots. <laughs> it's mostly about them. Uh, yeah. June Manjome, played by Kenji Sahara. Yay! Oh. He works for Hoshikawa Air Service and is an amateur sci-fi writer. I have not gotten into an episode yet where his amateur sci-fi writing has come up. <laughs> also, his little sidekick flunky co-pilot, uh, Ipe Tagawa, played by uh, Yasuhiko Saijo. He's the, sort of the junior pilot or the co-pilot. Uh, we also, it wasn't in the two episodes we watched, but the Professor... Ichinotanai is a recurring character played by Yureo Egawa. And the news desk editor, Seki, is played by Yoshifumi Tajima. Did you recognize him, Honeybee? Tell me who, what character you're talking about. The editor. The boss at the newspaper. Man, it's been like a week since I watched this too, so I'm like trying to pull it forward. Is he, is he kind of like a chunkier dude? Like he's a little bit bigger, like heavier? Yes. With yeah. the mustache? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, 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 okay. He doesn't have a mustache in this. Right, but he did. He had the Hitler-adjacent mustache. Yes, yes, okay. In Mothra versus Godzilla. Yes, So okay. totally. we've we've seen him in some stuff. Of course, we've seen Kenji Sahara in a bunch of stuff, and we'll continue to see <laughs> him in stuff. So uh, pretty much every week... Uh, Eureka goes out on some story and needs to be flown there in the helicopter or the airplane. And these two pilots (laughs) just hang around with her, helping her investigate because Philo. Yeah, baby. So we watched the first two episodes. um, Defeat Gomez, who I just, (laughs) it's spelled G-O-M-E-S-S, but in my head, Mm -hmm. it's Gomez with a Z. (laughs) They're like, they got to defeat yeah. some Mexican guy. Gomez. Or or Gomez Adams, perhaps. Yeah. Let's see. That one was directed by Hajime Tsuburaya. Is that his son? I think that's uh, Mr. Tsuburaya's son. And the writer was uh, Kito Senzoko. I got a summary here. My little booklet with the came with the Blu-ray. Oh. Near Mount Kanpo, tunnel excavation work on the third sector of the new 
Tokai Super Expressway project unearths a huge cavern from which a large, strange stone is recovered. One worker claims to have seen a huge monster in the darkness, leading a young scholar to recall an ancient text kept in a local shrine. <laughs> this young scholar is a, is a kid. He's a, he's a boy. Yeah, we got, this classes. is our first time, but we got kid scientists. What's up? Yes. It's all about the reporters these days. No more lady scientists. It's all reporters, <laughs> both male and female. Yeah. And this is our first kid scientist. <laughs> He's a sort of amateur paleontologist. The legend tells of Gomez, a tusked bipedal beast with fearsome claws, and a phoenix-like bird, Litera, which defends the order of nature against the other. When Yuriko and June become trapped in the caverns, they discover that this legend is not mythical when a rhythmic beating emanates from the strange stone, revealing Gomez. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I just want to say that I am really happy. I was a little nervous about starting a TV show. I wasn't really sure what we were going to get into, but they start like with Kaiju, like boom, boom, boom. It happens real quick. We start seeing um, this puppet. I will say that the puppet does not look great as a whole, but a little, no, I mean Gomez. Gomez is a full suit. Yeah, but they show, oh yeah, okay, so the suit, it doesn't, yeah, so it doesn't look good altogether when they like show uh-huh. it like straight right. on, but when they uh-huh. show, like when the camera's like tail, eyeball, teeth, like when it shows it like right. that, it looks uh-huh. all right. But then they show them all together, and it's like, oh, no. Well, I think I know why it doesn't look so good. This is a recycled Godzilla costume. Yeah. I definitely thought so with the barky and the tail. They stuck a bunch of extra crap on top of a Godzilla costume. So it it doesn't look quite as good as if they had made it from scratch, I think. Yeah, it kind of looks like if Godzilla and Baragon had a baby. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, bit. I wanted to I wanted to mention though the opening credit of this show, uh, the 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 title screen mm-hmm. uh is is kind of fun and unusual. It's a little hard to describe. It's like an acid trip. <laughs> well, yes. Well, I think what what they've done is they've done a sand painting oh. of the title in in uh Japanese, uh except the Q is uh in English. The ultra is in um Japanese letters. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if they're hiragana or katakana. And the um, Q is in English. And there's a sand sort of making these swirling patterns. And I believe what they've done is then tilted the sand tray so that it all slides apart. And then run the film in reverse. So what we see uh-huh. is sort of a blurred image that then moves and comes together to create the logo slash title nice uh, ultra cute and it looks really cool and they play this kind of spooky music but then later a little later when they when they whenever they do the title of the particular episode and a little bit of credits they have this very jazzy western 60s music (laughs) yeah So, uh, yeah, it starts off, they're digging the tunnel and somebody catches a glimpse of Gomez and just, he, the man loses his mind. His, his brain breaks. It's very Lovecrafty and he just goes mad from having seen this thing. And the other workers are dragging him out of the tunnel and the foreman is just like, oh, that's that alcoholic guy. Just get him to the hospital. Doesn't take it seriously at all. Now all I can hear is like Cheech Moran in like Born in East LA and as Gomez like Ole Vato, what's happening? <laughs> well, we must defeat him. <laughs> and uh, this kid is hanging around this construction site though, and it's he's it's not safe, and it is not clear why this kid is hanging around and being allowed to hang around. But when the reporters show up to look into the thing. The kid's trying to tell him stuff, and the foreman's just like, don't trust that kid. He's unreliable. We find out way late into the episode that the foreman is his uncle, <laughs> which is why 
he's being allowed. He might have to hang around. Maybe the uncle's responsible for taking care of him or something, and he's got yeah. to hang around. So, uh, yeah, the, news, the, the newspaper gets a report of this thing going on, and the editor's trying to send some dude out, and he doesn't want to go. And our our hero, you, you get what I said her name was? Yuriko? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I have it written down <laughs> as Yuri-chan, Yuri but they say it that throughout the entire movie. Okay, yes. Her name is Yuriko Erogawa, but they have a ten, tendency to call her Yuri-chan or Yuriko-chan. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a thing. That's a Jap. Uh, you know, we talked about Chan in the other episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's so. There's three basic forms of address. San, which mm-hmm. is the most formal and most polite, basically means Mister or Miss. Then there's Kun, which you might call a younger man. That you might also mm-hmm. call a woman that who is your subordinate at work, and you might might call a, a friend that but you would certainly not ever call your boss or your teacher by kun and then there's okay. chan which is my understanding was more of a cutesy thing you would call a kid or a kid might call their grandparent but everybody oh. keeps calling her yuri chan and mm-hmm. i was like wait are they disrespecting her because she's a girl but she refers to jun as jun chan mm-hmm. and the in jido the little boy Jito, they also call him Jito yeah. Chan. Yeah, and I and um, the sidekick Ipe, I think people call him Ipe Kun. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Yuriko and June are possibly dating, but it's never. I don't think it's explicit. I mean, I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but it's not explicitly stated. But to me, the fact that they're calling each other Chan indicates mm-hmm. they have a at least a close friendship. A thing going on. <laughs> Though in the third episode, Ippy gives Yuriko a present, and it seems oh. like he's trying to get her attention. Is it his so, little monster? No. It, well, his it, it, it's it, it Yes, it turns out to be. <laughs> <laughs> Not on purpose. Oh, shit. It's a little gold sphere, a little gold ball that turns out to be an egg of a giant slug. Oh, <laughs> That's, That's the episode we didn't watch. So they drill a ton. They're drilling this tunnel and they drill into another pre-existing tunnel. Mm-hmm. And this seems to very much confuse everybody because when the re- report comes into the paper that they drill, drilled a tunnel and found another tunnel, they all seem very confused about this idea. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Sometimes there are naturally occurring tunnels. You're making a tunnel and you've just stumbled upon another one that was already there. That's they, they I don't I don't understand why they're so confused about it. But Gomez is in there. They've they've woken up Gomez. Uh but they've also extracted an egg from the tunnel. And they get there and uh yeah, this reporter and this pilot just decide we need to go in the caves and start looking around at stuff. And they end up getting trapped in there. Yeah, there's uh, an meanwhile, earthquake. Meanwhile, Ipe, yeah, Ipe and another reporter who was the first guy on the scene, but he, I don't know, Eureka's got a camera, so she <laughs> she goes running into the tunnel. I don't know why the other guy didn't go in there. They, they tell him to go, stay. He, he, yeah. he's, going, he's going to and they tell him to stay. And he's like, oh, yeah, just leave me behind in the cold. <laughs> but when they start talking to the kid and the kid tells them about the uh you know there might be some information at the temple they go with the kid to go investigate mm-hmm. and uh they they go to some temple and the priest shows them some ancient uh, parchment cloth cheesecloth something that's got some drawings on it and the kid just seems to know everything about it. Oh, this is Litera, and he's fighting Gomez. Yeah, and half bird, half he reptile. Just ex- yes, he just explains everything. And it can shoot citronella acid. This Which bird reptile thing. great for mosquitoes. Yes, it's great for Gomez's. <laughs> uh Back at the cave, Eureka and June spot Gomez, and they spend a lot of time just trying to avoid him, and he keeps seeming to find them. 
Uh, and then we get what is clearly intended to be a commercial break. Yeah, totally. And it, yeah, if you're watching it on uh, Tubi or Pluto, there will be commercial breaks, but they won't necessarily be where they yeah. were originally not intended in right to spot. be. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they might be random. Yeah. Um, and suit, then this suit, uh, Gomez's suit, kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and I did Suzical the musical, and we had we took it mm-hmm. to TNT, but we had to do our own costumes. And my mom is like a cool mom, not like a sewing mom. Oh. So my costume didn't look fantastic. Kind of <laughs> like this costume does not look fantastic. The, the Gomez one or the yeah or the yeah the Gomez one. <laughs> I mean, Blakeora does not look good either. But right, they both just. But yeah, so... it just kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> Uh, but um, after the commercial break, uh, the reporter uh, Niti, I wrote down his name. He has a the reporter. He had a, yeah, isn't it? The guy, the isn't guy it reporter, June, not, June something. No, June's the June's the pilot. G uh, Nita or Nito Niti something weird. And the kid, mm. they're suddenly back at the tunnel and reporting a cave-in. I don't know how they knew about the cave-in. They were over at the temple. It didn't make sense. And then the supervisor accuses the kid of spreading lies again. In the cave, Yuriko and June are trying to find their way out, and they see Gomez again. And then outside, the kid, Jiro, gets the idea to try to hatch Litra's egg so it will fight Gomez and uh, then we get more of Yuriko and June running around trying to escape and then June uses the camera flash to scare Gomez Uh, so the reporter and the kid and Ipe are waving fire and stuff at the egg to get it to hatch and this works and Litra goes to defeat Gomez. Yeah, but not until the kid is like, go, go, Litora. Don't just hang around yeah. here. Do the thing right. that you're supposed yes. to do. Leave. As if, and it's just like looking at him the like, bird, ah! Right. <laughs> yeah, as if the bird understands what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, all, these ki- all these kids are like that. doesn't matter if it's a bird or a turtle or whatever. Yeah, it's totally. uh, uh, the Litora is definitely to dig... from the Rodan family because it she yes. kind of looks like a little chickeny. The workers are trying to uh, dig the cave in out, and then Gomez is chasing everyone through the caves, and then Jiro is still talking to Litra, and everyone comes running out of the cave. And here's where we find out because the supervisor is trying to get Jiro to go, and here's where he calls him Uncle Whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think he means it literally. I think he means it literally. Uh, I don't think it's one of those things where you. Well, that's more in Chinese, a Chinese thing. I think where they call people auntie and uncle who aren't literally their aunt and uncle. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, Gomez breaks out, stumbles around like a drunk, <laughs> starts throwing stuff, and there's Fuck a fight. This boy train. Monster yes. fight! Gomez Woo! pokes at his eyes, shoots his acid breath, his citronella acid breath that looks more like lightning breath. Gomez goes weird. down. And then Litra lands on top of Gomez and then just dies there. They both just die. Yeah, I would also like to say there should have been like music or sound effects or something, anything behind the monster fight would have made it better. But just the silence while the monsters were fighting was a little awkward. And then they were just dead. I I was going to say, I guess they couldn't afford to score the fight, but this was, at the time, the most expensive Japanese television show ever made. Oh, shit. But it was worth it because it was a big, huge hit, and then eventually led to Ultraman that it's still freaking running today. 
not yeah. not the same. <laughs> they'll make an Ultraman show, and then they'll make another one, and then another one, and then a movie, and then a special, and then another one. There are still Ultraman shows happening and movies happening today. New ones constantly yeah. being made. It has a Guinness record for the show with the most. Well, I guess Ultra Q has the record for the show oh. with the most spinoffs. If you if you consider each of those various Ultraman shows a spinoff of Ultra Q, then Ultra Q has the most spinoffs. Or perhaps Ultraman has, depending on how you're counting, maybe Ultraman sure. has the most spinoffs. And here I here I thought it was all in the family, but no. Same. Uh, and then the narrator tells us, once you pass through the Kitayama Tunnel of the Tokai Expressway, a small grave lies there. That is the grave of the brave Litera that Jirokun had built. They don't actually show us this, but he just tells us. The kid went back and built a grave later. How nice. Episode two is called Goro and Goro. This is not only a recycled costume, but a recycled story. Yes. Reduce, reuse, recycle. This is the King Kong costume from King Kong versus Godzilla with a tail added because technically this is a monkey. And there is a like one small scene where I was like, what the? Oh no, it's his tail. Because of where the camera is standing, where the camera is like far away, it's just hanging. You can just see it like hanging there. And I was like, oh, I, oh no, wait. Okay. All right. We're good. Carry on. Uh, in the Amagi Mountains, zoologists investigate the appearance of a colossal monkey reported to be jovially swinging from ropeway cables near a hot springs resort. I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's why they're there. The trail leads to the Wild Monkey Research Institute, where a mute custodian Goro has befriended and fed a spider monkey from a store of Obea walnuts. This is not accurate either. Uh at the facility unbeknownst to goro they were preserved with a boa potion an experimental hormone supplement which caused thyroid imbalance and gigantism in high doses big goro comes to the city to look for his missing friend and a plan is put into motion okay there is so it starts off with people on on the uh awashima kaijo ropeway which is one of those gondola things that you get at like ski resorts and stuff that go up a mountain, mm-hmm. you know? And they're just, there's some lady say, giving them tourist information and they're all enjoying the view. And then suddenly a giant monkey is swinging from the ropes and everybody screams, but they managed to get it to the station and parked and everyone runs off. So the monkey doesn't uh, appear to kill anybody. Uh, but this is an island the, the, the ropeway goes out to an island where there's a bunch of wild monkeys who migrated to, to this island during the war. To get away from humans. Yes, to get away from humans. Because I think they were on another island, but there was war going on on that. Or they were either on the mainland or on another island and ran away because there's too much war shit going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, narrator, the narrator talks to us about thi- thyroid glands. And <laughs> then we see this. <laughs> Then we see this guy, farmer-looking guy. He turns out to be Goro. He's mute. So there's human Goro and there's monkey Goro. This guy is burning leaves. And there's a couple of city guys staying in a cabin out there in the middle of nowhere. They've been there for two months. But they're we know they're city guys because they're wearing freaking coats and ties while they're out there <laughs> doing some kind of research in this cabin. And they notice that monkeys have gotten into the chemicals. And they Is yell it, at Goro about it. They got into the chemicals. I thought it was walnuts. First they got into the chemicals. Then they noticed that they've gotten into the walnuts. Oh. But it, okay. doesn't, it doesn't appear that Goro is purposely feeding them the walnuts. It looks like they've torn into the side of the package. Yeah. They never say Goro. They, they say, look at the footprints. Look at the way it's torn into. But the one guy yells at human Goro, blaming <laughs> him for everything. And, and he runs away. Goro runs away. So Goro appears to have some sort of mental disability. He is not only mute, he seems uh, 
simple. So maybe they should treat him with a little more patience and kindness, but yes, seriously. It's 1966, so no. So no. We see that these guys are working at the Wild Monkey Research Lab. And some passing policeman makes fun of Goro while he's running away. And then they yeah, they talk about how the monkeys have gotten into the wall. Oh yeah, potion. about his ears. Oh, was it his ears they're making fun of the kid? I don't remember. Oh. Uh he was just being mean. Oh, he was just being mean. And the policeman informs them of the professors, he calls them, of the giant monkey attack. And then human Goro out in the forest starts whistling and calls giant monkey Goro. Because he's his daddy. I don't know how exactly it becomes established that the giant... Oh, they I guess they knew he had a monkey friend. They, they all start calling him monkey boy. Yeah. And they knew he had a monkey friend who they also called Goro. But they didn't realize until just now, or in a moment here, that he had grown to gigantic proportions. Uh, meanwhile, at the airport... June and Ipe get a letter from Yuriko with a picture. She is with a primitive tribe. And she says in her letter that one of the orangutans looks just like Ipe-kun. <laughs> and they're out there looking for ex-Japanese soldiers on the islands in the South Seas. So this was a thing... Um, or at least it appears, I don't know how much this actually happened in real life, but supposedly there were Japanese soldiers from World War II who were stationed on these remote islands who never got the word that the war was over and never surrendered. And this is a little similar to what we saw in uh, Atragon. <laughs> Yeah. Except that guy had been told to surrender and refused. Yeah, Some of these yeah, guys guy just don't. Yeah. But the idea that there's some lone soldier somewhere who doesn't know he's supposed to surrender, doesn't know the war is over and is still just waiting around for his orders or to find out what happens. That's a thing. Yeah. I have no idea if that ever really happened, but it's a, a an idea that's out there. Yeah. We've all seen a, a movie or two. Yeah, so I believe that's what she's referring to when she says they're out there looking for ex-Japanese soldiers on the islands. Mm. And then the uh, the boss comes in and uh, somebody says something about gorilla. And he says, no, it's a monkey. Get the helicopter. Oh, oh, she's in her letter. She says something about the boss being mad as a gorilla or something. Don't let him know. Don't tell him. Or he'll be mad as a gorilla. And then he comes in and they go, it's the gorilla. And he says, no, it's a monkey. Get the helicopter. Yeah. And they're all just like, yes, boss. So I was confused. I thought they are a helicopter slash airplane company that the newspaper hires when they need them. Mm -hmm. But the, the, but the boss, come, the editor comes in acting like they work for him all the time. Like they're yeah. just on standby. Like they are the newspaper's helicopter pilots. I don't know if it's <laughs> clear. I don't know if the writers understand. I don't know. But he does call him boss. Yeah. So uh, the, I think this is the one where the, the, he's going to, the editor's going to go cover the story himself. And at some point somebody mm -hmm. says something about it. And he's like, there's, what are you talking about? There's no superiors or inferiors in news business. There's just, you know, basically, there's a job that needs to be do, done. It doesn't matter if I'm the boss. Mm -hmm. We all got to do do the job. So I kept thinking that Eureka wasn't going to show up in this. That she was was busy for some. I thought the actress was busy, and they were writing these excuses for her not to show up. But no, she does show up eventually. She does. Monkey Goro attacks a milk truck and spills milk all over himself because he's a costume and can't actually swallow. Yeah, yeah, he can't drink it, and it's. So awkward. Even when he's eat, drinking, eating, all of it, it's just really awkward. He he does a real cookie monster thing where he just sort of puts the food in the direction of his mouth, but it just goes all over the place. At least Cookie Monster is smart enough to like throw the pieces behind him, yeah. so it looks like he's kind of tearing it up. This guy's just like, I'm gonna spill this on myself. Ah, uh, yeah. doesn't it look like I'm drinking it? And it's like, no, yeah. it looks like. You're very unsatisfied. 
And then a uh, human Goro shows up and basically is just like, eh, puts his arms up. is like, eh, pick me up. <laughs> so I love. they sort of do a Kong, except that Goro is willingly being picked up by yeah. Goro. Because he's his daddy. <laughs> yeah. You can be nonverbal and still be a daddy. Yeah. Wink. And then the professors are out looking for human Goro and they run into the newspaper gang. And they gang, see gang. <laughs> giant monkey holding human Goro and think he's in danger. But the professors say, no, he's safe. He's the monkey's foster parent. He's a real monkey maniac. And we all call him monkey boy. And uh, that he grew up with monkeys. So mm -hmm. I guess he's sort of a Mowgli Tarzan kind of a... Oh. <laughs> this might be why he's mute, because he never learned to speak. There are cases of children who were basically raised by wolves or feral dogs or whatever who were raised running the streets. And if they don't learn to speak human language, whatever language it might be, by a certain age, it becomes very difficult to teach them later on yeah. mm. in most cases it's just not possible or, or maybe they can just teach them a few words but you really need to learn that stuff it's, and that's why it's a, harder for adults to learn other languages than mm -hmm. children are just sort of hardwired to absorb that little tiny sponges a child can learn basically as many languages as there are different people around him or her to speak them uh, but if there's only monkeys around you're only going to learn monkey <laughs> Except for this monkey does not make monkey noises. He just squawks, no. which is yeah. fucking annoying. It just sounds like a button. It's just like on repeat. Like, ugh, yeah. I did not like <laughs> the monster sounds in this show. So they tell us uh, that the monkey's boy, monkey boy's real name was then taken by the monkeys. Human Goro picks a branch of apples for monkey Goro. Mm -hmm. Then they do a story about it. There's a headline in the papers. A tale of a lonely young man and his friendship. And everyone congratulates the editor on his great story. And then some other random reporter that we don't really know shows up in a safari outfit. And they're like, hey, where's Yuriko-chan? Why is she not with you? Oh, she went straight to the airport. And they're all like, oh, well, gee, I wonder why she would go straight to the airport. There's only one person she could be wanting to see out there. And so we see her hanging out with June and, and Ippe. I don't know why. Why didn't she... Why'd she have to go straight to the airport? She should have arrived at the airport and then just hung out there. I don't know. <laughs> I guess there's more than one airport. She maybe came into a proper airport and they're just in their little tiny plane and helicopter airport. Mm. Uh, and that they're talking to... Um, so the boss calls her about covering, going to cover the monkey story. I'm not sure why, because he's already written about it. <laughs> and she says, there was a monkey at Elon Island. Also, yeah, the island she was just at and tells the boys to fly her to the story. So the helicopter lands and they find the villagers beating up monkey boy for stealing food. They're just surrounding him and kicking him and beating him. Uh, yes, you were going to say. Oh, I was going to say when a. Uh... When the female reporter is talking about this other monkey at the on the island, she tells us basically the story of King Kong. <laughs> but you know, yes, the, that the locals worship it's it. Not King Kong, yeah. Well, it's a little nicer version, but yeah, that he's sort of a god to the people on the island. Uh, but oh. instead of eating virgin sacrifices, he helps them out. <laughs> yeah. When there's storms and things, I guess he helps out. Well, we, we're we still not sure that he eats them, right? We're not really sure what he does with them. Kong, we don't know for sure what Kong does. With, yeah. That's true. We don't know for certain that that we know that he eats some people, We've or at least bites them. <laughs> yeah. He might bite them and spit them out. We don't see him chew and swallow, but he, he bites them. That's what she said. They, they, they break up the fight. And the villagers explain that he's been stealing food. And then the police arrive and they're like, <laughs> hey, I hope you guys didn't get to didn't do a rough thing. I hope you didn't. You know, they're basic. Sure, he's been stealing stuff, but the police are not intending to beat him for it. 
they're like, yeah. uh, geez, I hope you guys didn't get too, too rough with the guy. And they, they arrest him. And Monkey Goro shows up wandering around town. I guess he doesn't, he's, you know, hasn't seen his foster father in a little while. It seems that Human Goro was trying to steal food to feed to Monkey Goro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's uh, like, my daddy has to just... come back with food. Yeah, I don't know why he can't just eat leaves and stuff in the forest, but... He's spoiled. Yes. The the mm -hmm. reporter team is walking along the road, and they get a ride from the uh, researchers. And at the newspaper, they're going through the developed island photos when the editor spots one with a giant monkey in it. <laughs> Hey! And, uh, yeah, this is where the other reporter talks about how the Islanders worshipped it and it helps them. And then Eureka explains, back where she is, that it helped when ships got wrecked on the reef. And the researchers explain that about the special walnuts made it grow. And these were used in the war to increase the stamina in weak soldiers. But too much could stimulate the thyroid gland. So maybe the other monkey ate the soldiers' walnuts. The ex-Japanese soldiers, who we've never actually confirmed were on that island. They were just looking for them. Apparently left enough walnuts behind that it causes monkey to mutate. Uh, or to have a thyroid uh, problem. They run into villagers with guns heading the other way. Because Goro, monkey Goro, is tearing up the town. The sirens and bells... Goro's walking down the street. The police shoot him in the butt. <laughs> power lines. Picks up a car. Fucking yep. throws it. We get power line stuff. He kicks part of a building and then falls backwards into another building. <laughs> and the power lines shock him. Uh, he does throw a police car. And then there's some guy, other guys in a cell with Monkey Boy. And they're like, "What? what's going on? Goro... Tears up the phone lines, and then the Ultra Q team arrives and asks the police to stop shooting. I also noticed here in the, um, what are they called? Subtitles? Captions? Yeah. That uh, someone says something like, that ain't a fire. And I was like, ooh, is there a Japanese equivalent to ain't? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's um, interesting. <laughs> The, the the editor goes and gets Monkey Boy from the jail. Yuriko suggests taking Goro, Mon Monkey Goro, to Ellen Island. And then the editor shows off and offers and says, yes, I'll pay for that. That's a great plan. I'll pay for it. You, and he says, you don't need weapons. You just need a heart. <laughs> Monkey Boy gets out of the police car and they send him with a canister of milk to calm down Goro. Not having told him that the milk is drugged. Yeah, they trick him with the sleepy juice. Yes. So Goro goes nappy time. What a fucking terrible thing to do to human Goro. Yes. So they're all very sad. They're all very pleased with themselves because they've knocked out giant Goro and are going to probably suspend him from a net from helicopters or balloons or something. <laughs> And take him to this other island. But they have not explained any of this to human Goro. All he sees is his friend collapse. And it ends with him screaming in horror as the camera zooms out on the sleeping Goro and the end. It was a terrible fucking ending. I almost watched the next episode just to see if it like went into the same story. But I knew it wasn't going to because this no. wasn't. The same as the first one. So I was just like, what the fuck? How horrible. What a terrible ending. I thought it was so weird that they set up what seems to be a happy ending, but then ended it on a horrified note. Yes. With no, uh, with nobody explaining to poor Goro monkey boy that it's all going to be okay. Yeah. If they uh, just explained to him, it's all right. We're going to take him somewhere else where... He and another giant monkey can team up and do God knows what kind of damage. Yeah, make little monkey babies, perhaps, maybe. Who knows? I wanted to call your attention to episode six. You might personally want to jump ahead to it. Okay. It is called, I haven't watched it yet, but it is called Grow Up Little Turtle. <gasps> Aww. 
A young boy's pet turtle grows to incredible size after being exposed to sewage. Ew! I just thought since uh, you enjoyed uh, Gamera so much, you might want to see this Gamera ripoff episode. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Sewage? He's a shit turtle? He might just be in the sewers and there's some kind of chemicals in the sewers. I don't know. Mm. not sure man i was sitting at a red light today and my car kind of did this thing where it like settled and it kind of like shook a bit and i half expected the ground to just crack in front of me and a giant monster to just like emerge and pandemonium in the street and i was like man this has really gotten into my (laughs) so honeybee what was your general uh thoughts on ultra q so my general thoughts are I love that it's like monster, like a different monster every week. So we get a lot of action that way. Uh, first episode, we got a good monster fight. Second episode, not so much. I was a little thrown off by the way the second episode ended. But other than that specific part uh, and the monsters kind of being like just recycled, I really enjoyed it. I really thought like, wow, what a great idea as far as, you know, every like different monster, different story every week. I really enjoyed that part of it and thought, wow, this is such great. I could see why this was so big. You know, I Mm -hmm. I could see why this made it because, yeah, it's it's good. And it's a lot. Like I said, it's those short stories. You kind of get a little bit of everything, but quickly. And and I did. I did like that. I did enjoy it. But like I also said, that ending in the second episode kind of made me go like what i don't know if i would enjoy (laughs) that kind of ending you know uh, Uh every week so i don't know i was was a little thrown off by that um but yeah other than that i'd say this show for the two episodes i've seen i'm gonna give it three stars i've watched three of them so far i'm gonna watch all of them i think eventually I like it. I also just like the whole idea of it. It really um, kicked off the, helped kick off the kaiju explosion of this time period. And then with its sequel, Ultraman, which we'll get into next week, started a whole subgenre of television. Oh, yeah. (laughs) still, still, Still going today. So it's certainly a very important show. Um, I recommend it, especially since you can get it free on Tubi. Oh, yes. I'm going to go ahead and give it a a four. I'm going to give it a four. Ooh, nice. Just in general, for the series in general. I like the people on it. Kenji Sahara. Uh, Shout out. Is always, is always good. Uh, I like uh, Yuriko-chan. We'll see more of her next week. Tune in next week. So thanks uh, for tuning in, folks. Uh, remember, first person to email us at monstermoviefuntimego at gmail.com will get a key code for Ultra Q digital copy of the series that I make no guarantee about it actually working. <laughs> but what do you want for nothing? Uh, until then, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honeybee. Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. And please don't miss you, science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Let's go! You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Rita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg. Don't